Hello, welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy 40 episodes, Ben. We've done 40 of these, if you can believe it. Oh my gosh, 40? That's, I mean, that's almost a year, Liz. That is almost a year. In fact, we have almost been doing this a year now. <laughs> well, good. That means we haven't missed too many episodes or forgotten too many weeks. Not really. I think we've been pretty consistent, I think. Uh, we'll figure out how the holidays are going to work with, uh, you know, us, in theory, trying to celebrate them at some point. Who knows? Yeah, be, be prepared, folks. There will be at least one episode during the, the Christmas to New Year's stretch that I, I don't think we'll have an episode up. Um, don't send me death threats like you normally do. Yeah, guys, really chill with the death threats. Yeah. Good oh. life advice, really. <laughs> we kid, of course. You guys are lovely. Uh, ben was just saying that he got an email from somebody. Uh, I did. Yeah, I got, a, I got an email from, from one of our lovely listeners asking me a question about The Leftovers, which is very on point. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for reaching out. Speaking of which, we should probably take this opportunity to mention that, yes, there is joy in Whoville. We are getting a, a season three of The Leftovers. I I just when the announcement came in there was so much immediate joy because there was some sort of announcement saying there was going to be more leftovers and then at the same time it being the final season I didn't know how to react to that and combining those emotions is exactly how I feel when watching the leftovers in that I have an instant amount of joy because something is going on that is amazing and then I also don't know how to immediately react to it. Yeah, no, it's, I think, I think you, you tweeted something to that effect. I was like, that's the best thing. But I think in general, everyone's, I, I, I'm, I've fallen to the camp of, they know exactly how much more story they want to tell. I think that is perfect. I think that is going to work out perfectly for everyone involved. They did definitely frame it in the sense of like, this is Damon Lindelof, Tom Parada's decision. This is a creator's decision. This isn't motivated by HBO. I'd be curious to know if that is actually true. If, if they... Like if HBO said, okay, yeah, you can come back, but we don't want more than one. Like the ratings are too bad. We don't want more than, than one more. But the positive side of that is that, yes, these guys are going to know exactly how to end this. And and that is very exciting in and of itself. Like seeing the end to and, and ending to The Leftovers is exciting. What if the ending of The Leftovers is that they reveal the actual facts of what happened they just run like a big list at the oh. end of it. They just like have a they, they bullet explain point everything. Section. They have Hope Davis come out with a PowerPoint presentation. Oh my god! Oh my god! That would be terrible. <laughs> the, the, that's a that's a Wayward Pines deep cut joke. That that was a very that was a good Wayward Pines joke. Somebody asked me about that on Twitter the other day too. I think it was about why it didn't get nominated for a Golden Globe. Because yeah, it was Wayward well, Pines. Yeah, that's that's the harsh way of putting it. So. Aww. Yeah, fair enough. But it, so we're in the speaking of all these all this end of the year stuff, like we're we're in the middle of doing a bunch of different things and one of those things one of those assignments kind of triggered the idea for this week's podcast, uh, which is we're putting together uh the best things said to IndieWire over the course of twenty fifteen. And so I was going through all my old interviews from twenty fifteen trying to find the best quotes. And as a result, I was like, Oh man, we, I talked to some interesting people this year. And so did Ben, which was neat. And I was like, maybe we should just kind of spotlights like, you know, some of our favorite interviews of the year. 
Yeah, and, and I was really glad that you came up with the idea of, of how we're actually going to do this, which is that I'm going to highlight my favorite interviews that you did, and you're going to highlight the favorite interviews that I did, because this makes it so much easier on me, because you have so many great interviews, and I mean, it was pretty thin pickings on my end, Liz, so I mean, thanks for doing that. I mean, it was easy, because uh, actually, it was easy on my end, because uh, I didn't have any trouble thinking of uh, some of the great stuff you've been able to do this year. Oh, you're you're too kind. This is this is going to be a running theme of the episode as well. If Liz pays me a compliment, I am not going to know how to respond to it, which is how I act in real life. If you told me anything good about me, I will not have a good answer or retort or reply. I'll probably just say something foolish. So I apologize in advance for any awkwardness in that in that realm. But uh, but here yeah. we go. Yeah. So uh, you want to start? Yeah, I do. Okay. And I'm going to start with one uh, that's a little bit probably a little bit cheating because it literally just came out a couple days ago. Um, but your interview with the BoJack Horseman creator, uh, Raphael Bob Waksberg, uh, is just fantastic. And one of the things that I love about this interview is that uh, it's kind of the point that he tweeted out when he mentioned it on his own account, where it was like, this is supposed to be just kind of a reminder that BoJack Horseman did a Christmas special, but there is so much more content in this, and and the best part of the content has virtually nothing to do with the Christmas special. And I mean, there's the top 10 list discussion is interesting to me because everybody who like who talks about top 10 list is usually on the critic side and only on the critic side. So to hear a creator talk about that is interesting. Um, but also that rejected Fuller House pitch, which has now gotten pickup pretty much across the internet is just fantastic. I want to see that that show come to life somehow. I want to see him do an animated version of it. I don't care how it gets out there. It's so good. And I'm so glad that you you got that out of him. No, it was it was really fun. Like the the my my response to him on uh, on the fact of like yeah, this was supposed to be about the Christmas special is you shouldn't have talked to me for thirty minutes. Uh, <laughs> and I remember I yeah. I, yep. I, I, I sent you I said, remember sending it to you for editing, and you asked me how long it was. I was like, well. It's not 5,000 words. And also tell me, if you can find a thing to cut, tell me what I should cut. Because I, I really tried to figure out if there was stuff that I should cut out or if I should you know, break it off into two things. But I like it as a single piece. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, as, as an editor, when you sent me that too, I was just sitting there and it was at a terrible moment where I'd forgotten that I had something big coming to edit. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I have so many other things running through my head. And it's 4,500 words. It's 4,500. Okay, I can find something to cut. No problem. And I went in and I was just like, no, this is this is good. This is great stuff. I've got a, this just flows. It all is relevant. It's all fun. It all ties together really well. So I just, yeah, it worked. It worked very well. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, so I'm going to, one of mine for you is, uh, I, I'd forgotten you did this, but it made me really happy to reread your Ann Dowd interview from like back in like June this year. Yeah. Um, that was such a delight. If only because like Ann Dowd is second only to Margot Martindale in my head of lovely, lovely older women who deserve more work. And I really enjoyed reading through your interview and especially because you, you you have such love for the leftovers that it is going to be another interview I'm including on this list as well. <laughs> but uh, we have so many leftovers interviews on this. So site. many. 
<laughs> but your interview with Ann Dowd was really charming in a lot of respects, especially because you play this game at the end that I really enjoyed where you ask her for one word responses to some of the projects she did in 2014. And they're all great. Like she just seems like a really happy, pleasant person who's really thrilled to be doing the work she's doing. And I think you communicated that very well. Well, that was my cheating way of trying to highlight as many great things that she's doing as possible because she's she's one of those people that when you fall in love with her in a show like The Leftovers, and that's obviously a love-hate relationship because of that character, um, but like if you and you see her on The Americans, you see her on, on whatever she's doing, you look it up and you see all these other things and then you seek out those shows or you realize she was in that show and, and, and then you like fall in love with her even more. So, like, in that interview, I wanted some sort of way to remind people, like, look at all this great stuff this that Hand Dowd's doing. And I think that was, uh, that was like, during Emmy's season or something, right, when we were trying to get some attention to uh, specific actors and, and hopefully get some awards attention thrown their way. Um, and she deserves it. Like, she's fantastic. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and on that related note, since we're already – since we're obviously just going to make this entire program about The Leftovers again <laughs> – um, my, one of my favorites, which I just, I couldn't ignore. Like I was trying to look up some other stuff because this one's so obvious. Um, and I'm glad like when we were discussing this, we originally said we were going to do three each and then we kind of broadened that out. Um, but your interview with Damon Lindelof and Tom Prada is just perfect. Like it's got, it was one of those interviews that has so much content in it. I remember when we were trying to shape a headline for it, we couldn't come up with a very specific like we had so many ideas and there were so many good parts that could go into the headline. It was too much and we couldn't come up with one. And like, I love the headline we have. It's do you find the leftovers hard to watch Damon Lindelof and Tom Prada know why? Like that's a very intriguing aspect of it. And you went into kind of the other side of discussing the leftovers than I did. Like I always get caught up in the details and kind of want to talk to the specific points of the show. And you kind of broaden it out to a wider picture of, of the general discussion that should be going on around the show with the people who are writing it, the guy who literally wrote the book and then the showrunner. So, I mean, there's, this is a very, it's a very dense interview, but it's constructed in such a way that you can kind of just read through it and have a lot of fun. Like that line, um, from Parada where he says it's almost kind of an achievement to say you made a post-apocalyptic show that was too bleak and then he laughs. I mean that's just a great little detail for me. So I as a fan of this and knowing you were going in to do it I was very excited to read it and it paid off. Yeah that was a fun interview. Uh, I also it, it, it's it's always I don't know we don't always specify where interviews happen and I think that's a really interesting thing because like a lot of these get done by, via phone. Uh, I've been, thanks to TCAs, though, we do occasionally, we do often get to do some in person. Lindelof and Parada was a special case because I got to go out to Santa Monica and actually go to Damon Lindelof's office. And I remember walking up and walking around the building being like, I, w I wonder which office is his. And <laughs> maybe it's the one with the Lord of the Rings welcome mat and the <laughs> giant, uh, the giant, uh, uh, oh God, what, what which, we are living reminder sign uh, in, 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 on the wall. Like maybe it's that one. Oh uh, yeah. I, I did take the opportunity to sit in. He has, there's a lot of uh, lost mem memorabilia around the office as well. I got, I took the opportunity to sit in a row of uh, a row of airplane seats from, from the air, from flight. God, was it 815? I think. Uh, 
you, I don't, you, you I lost, don't know. Yeah, you lost fans <laughs> will know. And then, uh, yeah, Prada and Lindelof were sitting in the, in the actual inner office. Like, it was very late. It was actually, like, kind of dimly lit. It was very cozy. It was a very cozy environment. So I hopefully, hopefully everyone felt like they were having a nice, cozy little chat uh, with them. Yeah, the description of it, and you're like even you telling me about it and stuff. I mean that that seemed to fit so perfectly for what would be the creative, you know, uh, core or area or whatever of the leftovers. So that yeah. was that was good good detail. And then there's a lot of good detail in that in that piece. So and just before we get too much farther into this, I will note that if you're looking for these online, it's a pretty easy Google search, obviously, but we'll also have these all listed in our normal write-up for the story uh, on IndieWire.com. And they'll probably, a lot of these will probably be in the list that Liz mentioned as well that we're running throughout IndieWire, just our favorite lines or quotes or, or, or segments from interviews throughout the year. So, so you can find the whole thing and read through it on your own. Hopefully. I mean, who knows what, who knows, we're not editing that piece, so. That's true. That's a good point. They might be like, well, we can't put eight Leftovers interviews on here. That's probably too many. <laughs> but we did eight Leftovers interviews. Yeah, and they're all great. Yes. Speaking of, uh, speaking of also the fact that you, you don't have to conduct a good interview in person for it to be a good interview, uh, I really enjoyed your sit down, your, your talk with Amy Brenneman, uh, whose name I oh, never, yeah. I never sure I'm never sure how to say, I'm saying properly, but, uh, HBO was really generous with us in terms of, we got an opportunity to get, do kind of like some post, post game interviews, so to speak with, uh, a number of, a number of the cast over the course of the season. And uh, you had so many interesting things to say with uh, Amy Brenneman had so many interesting things to say. And it was really great to see you get to go in depth with her just even via phone. Yeah, I was really just kind of going along on the ride for that one. She is so knowledgeable and her background in in these kind of religious studies and, and therapy and like all the stuff that she's she's done on her own for this character. She did well before this character came around. I mean, it's influenced a lot of what goes on, but it can you can see that she speaks about it in a little in a different way than Lori does. And she has like a very distinct framework for it, which is something they talk about for the characters on the leftovers, but she has her own kind of framework as well. Um, it yeah, she was she was a fascinating person to talk to. I love um you know, to have have like more time with her, have like a bigger sit down, do one of those kind of feature stories where you just kind of spend a day because I think she's a very fascinating person. And I did not look this up because I was I was in the middle of something and I, I couldn't, you know, pull out my phone or get on my computer when I was when I saw it. But I was flipping channels this weekend and there was some sort of skiing event on NBC or CBS maybe. And I'm 90 percent sure Amy Brenneman was in it like as a skier, like in a competition. <laughs> Because yeah. it said Amy Brenneman, and then it had like two or three other names of of like celebrities, of like actors and actresses. And so like it was like celebrity ski off or something. Yeah, but it, they weren't all celebrities. It was like one of those mixed things where like the, and the only person I saw come up before I had to leave was uh, was an Olympic gold medal winner from like six or ten years ago or something. Um, but I I gotta look it up. I'll I'll look it up and and let everybody know. Something yeah, like. that's this is important information. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I, uh, the next one on my list for you is kind of a pairing uh, with The Leftovers just in kind of how it was set up, except it only looks like it's set up similarly on kind, or in kind of the story. How you put together your interview with the people behind Show Me a Hero, namely David Simon and Paul Haggis, is still one of my favorite features of the year because 
I obviously love listening to what David Simon has to say, and he obviously has a lot to say on his own. Everybody does. I mean, the way he formulated that for The Wire is kind of the best way to dig through it, the most entertaining way to dig through it. But he puts out so much more content, you know, on his own, in his blogs, in his interviews. Like, it's really dense, and it, and, and there's a lot to think about when you go through it. And going through it can actually feel like a little bit of a slog, which is, you know, how a lot of people describe Show Me a Hero even, where it was like, okay, the show is great, but man, it's heavy. Like, it's just, there's a lot of dialogue, there's a lot of, you know, like law and procedural stuff that's going through in this. Um, but the way you broke up this interview uh, with with other people, you know, discussing it as well, and just kind of segmenting his important segments and highlighting the the the, the key things that he was discussing, um, it makes it a very easy read. Like it's still a longer read, but that's good because you can kind of go through it all and you can absorb it a little bit better. Um, so I just I don't know. I really appreciated that. And there's so much more than just what's going on in Show Me a Hero, as always, because when you talk to somebody like Paul Haggis, he's going to talk about everything. Yeah, no, it was a really, it was a really fun interview, a, s- a series of interviews, basically. That was right. like, because the, the 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 entire motivation for putting it together as uh, putting the my th- I had three separate interviews, one with Paul Haggis, one with uh, David Simon, and one with uh, Bill Zorzi, who helped write the, who was a writer on the project, and uh, it was basically like. Man, no one is going to care about this mini series. I can't make people. I can't. I can't try three times to make people care about this. I can try once, and it was really. But yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a really. I, I was really happy with how it came out. Paul Haggis, I found actually to be really delightful as an interview. Like I was yeah. not expecting that. Yeah. And Bill Zorzi was amazing because that guy does not give a fuck <laughs> like the all the all these were conducted in the middle of like tcas and he he's an old school newspaper reporter who just happened to also write on the wire and then also write show me a hero and he he was just completely he was just like very casual, very open, very like, I don't understand how you guys do this. Like, you know, you just kind of come in and talk to someone for 20 minutes and that's your interview. Like I do, I, I would, I, I'd want to spend the whole day with somebody and I'm like, yeah, if HBO would let me, but you know, he You're was like, yeah, there's some people and then there's others that not really, yeah. but yeah. H- but he was, but all of them were, all of them were really interesting. And yeah, that was, I, I, I want to also credit you by the way, because I feel like I, you know, the way that interview came together, just kind of almost an oral history style, uh, collection. Uh, I, I, I can't take credit for like inventing it for, for one thing, because it's been around forever, but also you had done something similar with your Aya Cash, Chris Greer, uh, gear interviews from earlier this year, uh, for you're, you're the worst. Um, and I am not pronouncing Chris Gear's name right. I'm pretty sure. But, I think that's it. I think it's Gear. Okay. Well, and that's not even on my list. But you did a really nice job of taking their uh, taking two separate interviews you did and combining them together into one piece. And so that, like, like many of my great ideas, you did something vaguely similar easily <laughs> a, a couple of months before. So. Uh, well, there's that there's that compliment that I can't handle properly. So I'm just going to to end oh. this on my favorite exchange that you stuffed into this interview, which again, like it's done pretty classically as you're reading through it. And then there's this nice little highlighted breakup part where it's just this back and forth between you guys where you say you're talking about the Springsteen songs and all of the Springsteen songs that are in this. And then you we find out that it was originally Sinatra who was in there. And then you changed it 
and it, or they changed it, and it turned out to be, you know, they infused Springsteen in there again, and you find out that yeah, uh, Oscar Isaac didn't even know about that change until after, like until later, and he loved it, and they just kind of laughed about it. And I just, I mean, that was you talking to, to Paul Haggis. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many little details about that, which is really fun for anybody who even liked the series. You don't have to love the series to to really, like, find some stuff to dig into here, so. Yeah, well, that's, that's why that came out of... Uh... That's something that came out of just like watching the show and talking with you about it as I was doing it. Like, because I kept being like, wait, there's another goddamn Springsteen song. (laughs) (laughs) And I kept getting more and more excited because I love Springsteen. So, yes. Um, uh, Other things you love include Mr. Rob Lowe. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're a very good friend, Rob Lowe. But I really liked the interview you did with him at TCA's. It's a very it's a very friendly, personable email. uh, Not email. A very personable uh, interview. And I, you know, you you made it really personal. I think, which is actually very nice. Personal and personable, uh, two different words. So you know, you brought up your father, and then you guys just kind of talked about all the things. You know, you talked about how he's approaching the project. He seems like a very chill. You've you know, he comes off as a very chill cat, which I enjoy. And you got your wish, which was to talk to him about the word literally. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, for having, you know, like 10 minutes with this Mr. Lowe, I, I, I'm glad about kind of what I was able to get in there. And that point that you make about making it personal, that's a very difficult thing for me to do when I'm talking to somebody because you always have personal questions. You always want to go the Chris Farley route from Saturday Night Live when he just kind of gushes over these people and are like, oh my God, you know, when you were in, uh, when you were in Parks and Rec and he said literally a lot, that was, that was awesome. Like that was really cool. But you can't do that. You have to figure out kind of different ways to make it entertaining for, you know, the audience bigger than one. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was just great. He was just very open about things. He obviously had a couple of cool things to say about where broadcast TV is right now in terms of what dramas and comedies can do, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then, yeah, the literally part was, was, I was like, fuck it. I've got one last question. They're kicking me out of here. I've got to try something. And and it was fun. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm very glad. And actually we'll talk about, we'll talk a little bit about Rob Lowe a little later too. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just in the closing segment of something that I should probably mention again, but, um, but moving on to kind of, uh, a, a person that you love, that we love, that everyone loves your early 2015 interview with Jillian Anderson <laughs> is still one of my favorite things ever. And not just because of the discussions we had, you know, leading up to it and afterwards and, and like kind of those asides, but like you've got a very good tone in here as well. Like the, the, the kind of back and forth that you have, and she's obviously a very fun, smart person in general, but like getting that out uh, over the phone uh, isn't always the, the easiest thing to do. And like you talk about that beer that Goose Island named after and you get some really fun details about that. Uh, and, and then like digging into a show like The Fall is just something that you really want to do. Like you instinctually would want to talk to Jillian Anderson about the X-Files and that is pretty much it. And obviously there's a little bit of that in here too. But her character and the characters she chooses to play are always so intriguing and they've always got kind of a connection in, in some regard even when they're wildly different um, and you kind of get into that a little bit, which I really enjoyed. Thank you. I mean, the thing with Jillian Anderson, that Jillian Anderson interview was one I've, 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 it was only like, yeah, it was a short one. It was only 10 minutes. I've never prepped harder, uh, 
for an interview of in that one. I had every question written out word perfect. Uh, and yeah, she was, she's such a, it's a, she was fascinating because I, I don't, I don't feel like I, 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 I'm of course deeply flattered that you highlight that one. Uh, but I, 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 I just feel like it was, uh, there, if I, I, I feel like I could have done better, you know, like, I, <laughs> uh, but it was, I think that's just your, your natural inclination of having more questions, which you'll always have. So yeah, the thing, the thing, the two big things with it, I think were that I, I did open it up with the beer thing, which does technically reference the X-Files, but I didn't, I, I think I, I deliberately avoided talking about it. And in part, that's because, uh, I, you know, at that point, the project was, at that point, the revival was very much like a Fox is talking about this sort of place. And so I didn't, there wasn't, you know, whatever, what was she going to be able to say to me? Oh, yeah, of course, we're doing this. Uh, I can give you every person, possible detail. No, she can't tell, she couldn't, she, even if she could, if she, even if she knew anything, she couldn't say anything. Uh, the other aspect of it was, I, I feel so bad for actors who get locked into these just spend like their entire goddamn lives talking about the same project over and over again. And actually I'd heard, I heard a month later after doing that interview, I was really glad that I'd actively avoided talking about the X-Files and really just focused on the project she was working on at that time. Because uh, I was talking to another reporter who like worked for like a local uh, New Mexico paper and he'd interviewed her about a film that she was in, uh, like that was playing at a, fe- at a local festival. And at the end of it, she was like, thank you for not asking me about the X-Files. And I, so I feel, I feel bad for the, for actors, uh, who just, you know, I mean, and, you know, admittedly what, why you can't really complain about it, but you know, at the same time, I certainly wouldn't want to talk about the same thing for 20 years. Yeah. Especially when you're in that setting of, you have a project you're proud of, you have something that's really, really good that you could easily base a very lengthy interview on. Um, and if, if, you know, if, if somebody's going to just ignore that and they treat it like they're ignoring it and you can tell that during the interview, that gets really frustrating. That's really hard. And, and you know, at the same time, you know, the fans and the people who are reading and the people who are watching, you know, they have those questions about the X-Files. So sometimes they're pertinent or, you know, the bigger project or the older project. But, um, but yeah, you've got to kind of know how to handle that. So. Yeah. Um, ben, I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to go with the natural segue here, which is that my next one in my list for you is uh, David Duchovny. Oh, <laughs> David Duchovny. All right. <laughs> David Duchovny live in person at the Chateau Marmont. Drink in one hand, recorder in the other. Great. Total baller interview. So no <laughs> notes for Ben. Just drink, That's... just booze and recorder, recording device. Yep. That was, uh, that was an interesting that was an that was an interesting discussion. Yeah, no, you had. I think I think the thing, I think the thing that's cool about your David Duchovny interview is because along the same lines, you know, at that that interview was conducted, I believe, in May. May feels right. Yeah, uh, it's right around there. Yeah. So we definitely knew that, that like he was probably about two weeks away from going off to Vancouver to film the X Files. So we knew it was a real thing, but you still made it about Aquarius. You still made it very relevant to the discussion at the time. And uh, you had a really, I think you got, you got some really good stuff out of him about Mulder being a, a very bad cop, as he puts it. <laughs> um, you got him to say the F, F word a lot. And you did something that I always admire and never always feel like, n- never feel like I can really pull off, which is you figured out 
how you figured out the project of his that he did the old project of his that he did want to talk about, which is Californication. And I think you got some good stuff out of him as a result of that. Well, I remember when we were talking and um, he mentioned something about, I wanted to talk to him about um, kind of how they were, they, they just announced that they were making Aquarius on, uh, they were releasing it all at once. They're going to have that binge strategy where it came online. And I'd talked to the director and the producers and they'd said something about, how there were two different cuts where they were going to make um, like an unrated cut and you know the one that would be available on broadcast. So I was talking to him about language and kind of how that can be a barrier when you're shooting broadcast and you really need to say a specific word. He said, so, I think there was a, a specific line that he had in his head about um, how he was talking to one of the cops or, or somebody and he really wanted to drop the F-bomb but he knew he couldn't, but then at the same time he could, so they could keep it for another another cut, but he couldn't figure out how to make that line work for the regular cut. But anyway, that language in my head triggered me back to Californication, which is a show very is about a writer, so it's very much about language, very much about prose. They talk about that kind of thing incessantly. So I don't know. I don't I don't remember how I made the transition. But yeah, I, I always felt like he really loved that character, and I really loved that character too, even though that show after season one just descends into some horrible horrible areas um but yeah i don't know i i don't know i i enjoyed that interview i'm glad you picked it that was nice of you of course <laughs> well i mean it was david Duchovny, and it you know i i i don't know i i figured i figured jillian anderson had a chance of making your list but so i figured it would be be fair also yeah. uh it's a pretty so, good year if we talk about if we interviewed jillian anderson and david Duchovny. if we can keep that going Every year, I think we'll be in good shape. Definitely, but looking, I think we're we're down to one each. Uh, so, what's your final one? Uh, the last one I had for you is kind of a cheat. Um, it's definitely an interview, but it, it's more of what we talked about before that we wished we could get. Where it's a longer interview. Um, it's my. It's your. It's when you visited the Archer office in oh, Atlanta. Oh yeah. Um, I really loved this. I mean, it's a feature more than just an interview. But you obviously have a lot of one-on-one time. Uh, with Adam Reed, and uh, you get some really great details in there. Uh, I, I I just felt like I got a very good sense of place from from this discussion. And obviously, there's some really cool pictures on this one as well that you took when you're visiting the office that gives you a definite sense of place and kind of how things come about. But the descriptors in there are a great trigger for me. Um, I remember when it was going on. I I know we talked about it, but. I didn't feel like I had a good grip on what had actually gone down that day. And then all I did was read this and I really understood it. Like I just, I don't know. I felt like I was there. Um, and because it's a show that obviously depends on, um, a certain attitude, like a certain tone to carry it through for a lot of it. Uh, and then obviously a, a great creative energy, uh, to see kind of what motivates that or what they keep around to keep that motivation going was really interesting to me. So I loved, I loved this piece. Well, thank you. I mean, it was, yeah, that that that. It's funny that you say that you didn't know exactly what had happened because, to be frank, I didn't know what was happening as it was happening. <laughs> Essentially, uh, last year I. Uh, went to the Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta is ATV Fest, uh, the Atlanta Television Festival. And uh, while I was there, I'd interviewed, I, I'd moderated uh, a pa panel with Adam Reed at, earlier that fall, er, the fall before. So uh, I just kind of dropped an email. I was like, hey, just random shot in the dark. I happen to be, I, I will happen to be in Atlanta 
for a few days, do you, maybe we could ha- meet up at, or have some coffee or something and talk about the show. And it turned, you know, he's just like, yeah, come by the office. And so, uh, yeah, that, 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 and then it, I ended up getting this whole tour and it was really great. Uh, that was a really, that the one tricky bit with that was, uh, I had, cause it wasn't officially set up through FX and it wasn't, even officially a thing I had said I was going to do. It just kind of evolved out of this random, random experience I had. Uh, I had to, I, I, I actually like, I did something I rarely do, which is, you know, send, send FX part of the article before, before I published it, because uh, basically to confirm that I wouldn't be, because re- they wanted to confirm that I wouldn't be revealing anything uh say about how you could find the archer offices <laughs> and uh i had to send them i i also cleared all the photos i sent uh I, I took because to make sure that they didn't have any uh geolocation stamps yeah that's important good. stuff yeah. Important. that is that's really important i mean there's that's a real danger when you're posting something like this online but yeah that was a that was a good responsible way to handle it that I'm not even sure I would have thought about. Like I would have definitely reached out, but unless they brought it up, especially with the uh, um with the identifying stuff, I might not have remembered to do that. Yeah, and it's it's none of this is like, you know, compromising the integrity of the piece. It's just like I want to they they don't, they they were very nice to invite me over to their house. I should make sure that they don't get egged. Yeah, and FX is pretty great to us in general, so. Yeah, they were very very nice. Uh, so my final one for you is, uh, uh, my, your interview with Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi <laughs> and admittedly, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like this is a bit of a cheat just because any interview with Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi is probably gonna be a lot of fun to read. And, but, and it's not just because, but I picked it not just because Bruce Campbell gives you so much shit for saying, calling him Mr. Campbell, <laughs> which is one of your quirks that I respect, but also find ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I was raised a certain way, Liz. I, I try to be as polite as possible. Yes, and Mr. Campbell was having none of it, which I he was really... Not. <laughs> which I really enjoyed, but also I think you got he was uh, both both him and Mr. Ramey were very open and direct about a lot of t- a lot of stuff, and it just it was a real joy to read. It's a it's a joyful interview. Like they're so happy to be doing it. You like the show so much, and that comes out in everything that you ask, and it comes together so nicely as a result. I am uh, I am eternally impressed with people I interview who are clearly in the middle of a lot or doing a lot of interviews that day or even like even if it's not that day but like going on throughout you know that month or weeks as the shows you know are getting ready to come out when they have a level of energy like a level of excitement and and kind of just boisterousness I guess about them I'm always kind of taken aback because it's got to be such a long haul for them to get through all this stuff um, and it's got to be tiring. But man, Campbell is just, he just goes for it. Like there's some, there's some obvious great quotes in there, but you could just, you could also hear it when they were speaking like that, that like he was just in full command and ready and and rocking out. And then, um, to the, to the point of the, of him setting me back for, for calling him Mr. Campbell and Mr. Ramey, uh, Mr. Ramey also (laughs) shot me down when I put forth a theory about why one of these scenes existed or, or kind of maybe a, a connection between that scene and, and some other stuff going on in TV these days. And honestly, I love that answer. Like I don't want anyone to try to, and it happens sometimes if you ask something and you're kind of 
specific and they'll try to play into it like, oh yeah, no, that was really smart. That's a really good idea. It's not really what we were going for, but no, that could definitely work. He was just like, no, that's not it. We didn't, uh, we didn't do that at all. That's not, uh, it's not about that. And, and I like those answers. I like when you kind of cut through the bullshit and I felt like that was what both of them were ready to do. So that was good. Yeah. I mean, it's been like one of the, one of the most joyful things about this job in general is the fact that we've gotten to talk to some really exciting people. Uh, you know, it's like creators, especially creators, but even actors. Like I've, I remember actually like a year ago or so I, I wouldn't shy away from interviewing an actor, but I wasn't really passionate about doing so. And nowadays, like I really get excited about getting, getting into that part of the process as well as just the storytelling process. Like actors are interesting people is what I'm coming to, is what I've come to realize. Especially in kind of the growing age of TV where a lot of actors are taking more ownership of the show itself. Um, they obviously get into character very well, but sometimes they've got a lot to say about how the shows run or just decisions that are being made, which is kind of why in the past, you know, we're definitely excited to talk to showrunners because they know everything. You can ask them anything about the show. They will give you an answer to it. Um, but yeah, it is, it's getting more and more exciting to kind of talk to everybody because it feels like a big collaborative effort. Yeah. Uh, an interview that will hopefully run later today, as soon as I finish putting it together is uh, with David Tennant, who uh, just, you know, of course, uh, was seen on the wonderful Jessica Jones. And uh, he, you know, it's like talking to him, you can't ask him about story details, like, you know, what kind of story, you know, what he contributed to it, but he did, he did uh, really dig in on his analysis of the character that he plays. And as a result, like, there's a lot of interesting meat in there. Yeah, and uh, an interview that just ran this weekend that uh, Zach Scharf did, our editorial assistant uh, with Jeffrey Tambor and Judith Light, goes into a lot of those kind of details where you can just tell that they have a, a really strong investment in the character and in the scene and then how it plays out. And if they didn't even if they didn't make the decisions, then they were definitely asking questions about those decisions so you still get some good information out of it. So, I mean, if you, for these shows, the shows that we talk about on IndieWire, I feel like the best shows, you know, and the most kind of, um, br the bravest shows on TV maybe, um, those people and those creators and those actors, like everybody involved usually has a strong opinion about it and that's what usually leads to good interviews. Yeah. Uh, so uh, hopefully this was interesting for you, gentle listener. Uh, if, this is either really, really navel-gazy and self-congratulatory, or you found this insight into the interview process really interesting. Hopefully we gave you some fun stuff to think about. Fingers crossed. Fingers if not, crossed. send me that hate mail. Yes, more hate mail for Ben. <laughs> um, in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, I mentioned a little bit earlier that we were going to come on back to Rob Lowe and the best thing that I watched of late when I'm, I'm kind of, I'm mostly caught up to get ready for these year end lists that are going to come out this week. Um, but I was trying to spot check a few things to see like maybe they, uh, they either improved or they stayed as good as they started, whatever. Um, I watched the grinder, uh, probably the last four episodes cause I'd slipped behind like all these other things that were popping up, um, pushed me back, even though I really obviously liked the show from the start. Um, but there was a feeling I had, probably after episode three or four maybe um, where I was like, Oh man, I feel like maybe this premise is getting a little thin. Maybe they're kind of running a little bit, not, not in circles so much, but maybe uh, repeating a few things too many times. Um, and it hadn't stressed me out yet. It hadn't bothered me yet, but I was worried that it was going to continue in that direction. And maybe the rest of the season wouldn't 
kind of be as uh, as risky as the start was. But that's not true. They've they've actually made a big decision uh, towards this midseason finale. I think that just aired, um, which was really really smart and seems to be working very very well. They're bringing in a lot of extra talent, which is always kind of nice to see when these sh- with these kind of really good ensemble shows. Um, and Lowe continues to just knock out that role. So um, the grinder, full well up to now, wherever it is in season one, um, is the best thing I've seen of late. I mean, uh, it, I, you're you're talking about the creative uh, creative uh, floundering uh, makes sense given the fact that they've had some behind the scenes shakeups, and I think. I think uh, I've seen some commentary online to the effect of, yeah, the the grinder is four shows, and I like at least one of them. Uh, but- I don't see. I don't know if that's true. Like, I never felt like they. I never felt like they broke away from tone. I just they've only had so many episodes. I think they only had like eight episodes, mm-hmm. um, and it was like I could see where the direction might start to go if they kept going down this path. And instead of doing that, they shifted. Like they just made. A couple of subtle moves to keep it alive and keep it lively and keep analy- or keep analyzing um, some different aspects. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say any episode is bad yet. I was just worried that it could start to feel stale if they kept going, and then luckily they didn't. So I, I don't know. I, I've read the same things. I know what you're talking about, but I wouldn't necessarily endorse that. I guess. Yeah, I, I do agree that. Uh the 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 end of where they where they where things stand currently with the show is are. It's really fun, and I love bringing in Timothy Oliphant. I love the yeah. way he was. I love the way he was introduced, and then I love the fact that he's now a, a, a established part of the Grinder mythos. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good addition for the show and for Oliphant, especially coming off a show like Justified. Like he's a really funny guy, so, so funny. kind of giving him the opportunity to flex that is good. But uh, um, then remember when we watched? Uh, remember when he was at TCA's and we watched that football game together? Oh, that was fantastic. He was he was my hero that day because all I wanted to do was see Green Bay lose in <laughs> extremely dramatic f- fashion, and that's what I got to do because of Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. Uh, but Liz, tell us tell us about the best thing you watched. Uh, my best thing is also a comedy. I find, or is it? I kind of, <laughs> I, I finally caught up with Mindy Project uh, season four, and I I actually kind of drifted away from the show in season three, and I. I don't know why I decided I really wanted to catch up with season four, but I did. And that show, in its mid-season finale, it it got real and it got harsh. And it is it is sad. And I'm very excited to see where it goes. Because, especially because, like, uh, you know, the, you know, you remember the pilot, like, the whole show is based basically on Mindy Kaling loves romantic comedies, so she's going to write herself into a romantic comedy. And now in season four, she has a very complicated relationship. She has a child from said very complicated relationship and where, and, and they've, they've, they've not been shy about really dealing with some major issues for her as a character. Yeah. And frankly, um, where they've gone with it, I I've, I've caught up as well. I know last week, I said I was behind, but that was one of the things I got this weekend. Um, that uh, they, they've they've set it up very well for what they're about to do, like character wise, like who she's connected to right now, who she's in love with, like who she's you know being tested with right now. His positions, while obviously flawed from just the you know the general progressive standpoint, um, they they make sense for him, and they make sense for why he would believe in them from both uh, like just personal and religious reasons that have been well-established on the show. 
Um, so I'm very excited to kind of see how they deal with that, especially since they have, they have what, 13 more episodes? They've like a huge season order for this thing. Yeah. Um, and where they're going to take it will be fascinating to me. Um, because they, they did, they got kind of dark. They didn't go, they didn't go like, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a depressing thing to watch necessarily, but it's definitely darker than any of the other episodes have been. Yeah. So then what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, the next thing I'm looking forward to Liz, is the leftovers season three. <laughs> <laughs> of course it uh, is. Someone asked me. Someone asked me on Twitter to 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 if that was it was too early to give that a shout out, and it was not. It's it never will be. Um, so for now, while I'm kind of in a, I've kind of hit a wall on what's coming, and, and like it, there's a whole bunch coming in January. There's going to be all these TCA screeners for stuff throughout the early part of the year. I'm going to be getting excited for those starting next week. But as of now, I kind of just finished catching up with last year. So looking forward, I can't think of anything better than that renewal news. So uh, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm sticking with the leftovers for one more week. Uh, Liz, please save us, though. Give Desperately us cling on to the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to pick something that I'm, I'm technically not like super jazzed about this because this isn't this is very this is a genre that's not really my jam at all. But I keep hearing better and better things about Making a Murderer, the uh, true crime Netflix documentary series that's premiering this Friday. And so, yeah, yeah, I'll, I will check out Making a Murderer. I will watch the true crimes. But for, for those who do love true crime, who got super addicted to the jinx and everything, this sounds like it's going to be a real treat for you. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a digging into a pretty notorious case on a, over 10 episodes by some well-established documentary filmmakers. Our own Eric Cohn has seen it, and he found it to be great. So uh, I think that'll be worth checking out. That'll at least be worth checking out for an episode or two for, for me. And for those who really like this stuff, it, I think it'll be addictive as hell. In his review, I remember him saying something to the extent of this is uh, perfect counter programming to Star Wars being released the same weekend, and in my mind, I think that's technically true. If there's someone out there who doesn't want to see Star Wars, but frankly, I think if Star Wars is as good as people hope it's going to be, um, then all you're going to want to do after you see Star Wars is just watch more things like Star Wars, and this is not it. So I don't know. Like I mean, maybe. Set some time aside for it. Plan on it. Keep it in the back of your head, and you'll be able to kind of get amped. But uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, uh, and also I'm looking forward to Star Wars. Thanks for <laughs> yeah, thanks for yeah. the reminder, Ben. Yep, that's clearly. I mean, there's there's no mystery in that. We're all looking forward to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's good, and I hope no one talks about it on the internet for the next three days. Oh yeah, that's for sure. What's going to happen? The internet is always a safe space. Yes, for sure. Uh, but you can go there and then go to IndieWire.com for news. That's a safe space. Yes, uh, that is a safe space. And there will be reviews, interviews, features, all the things you've come to love from us and, and or vaguely tolerate. And if you enjoy IndieWire.com, and why wouldn't you, then you'll definitely enjoy the rest of our podcasts, including Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn. They are in the heat of award season, as we've mentioned before, but I'm sure they will touch on Star Wars as well. Um, probably this in this Friday's episode. I don't know when they're actually recording but uh, you know, I'm sure they'll have time to, to check that out beforehand. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, they're never they don't get too spoiler either on that. That's IndieWire edict, so you should be safe there too. Uh, and then of course our editor in chief Dana Harris 
on the wonderful IndieWire Influencers podcast. She's digging into everything that is relevant to, uh, I mean, entertainment industry in general. Very focused on the indie world and, and award season as well. But um, it's really getting excited. I think uh, Steve Green, our, our one of our editors, just said, was it last week's episode that he was extremely proud of? There's one like in the last two that he was really, really excited he, about. I think he got really excited about the Jason Siegel interview. Yeah, that was it. Yep, uh, that was so fun. yeah, so check out the Jason Siegel one. He talks about puppets. Because sure. it's Jason Siegel. <laughs> yes. That's, that's his foray now. Yes. Uh, yes. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet with an I and an E. And we'll be back next week. Uh, pro- I think we're going to be ne- back next week talking about our uh, f- top 10 of 2015 list. Get ready. Oh, gosh. Get ready for some fighting. Yeah. All right. Um, and in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television.